Hi, hello, bonjour, and namaste. This is Out of the Clouds, a podcast at the crossroads between business and mindfulness. And I'm your host, Anne Mulitala. So today, my guest is Sida Jane. Sida is the chief business officer for a company called Bombay, which is the women's side of the Bombay Shaving Company. Sida is a very savvy and creative business executive, and I was delighted to be introduced to her. So we have a very wide-ranging conversation. For those of you who are uh, regular listeners of the podcast, I assume that you're by now familiar with the format. I asked Sida to first start to tell me her story, her journey, and she shared some intriguing things, like, for example, how she always wanted to prove herself and also how she made very few active choices in her life. She also tells me about her love of dance, her passion for organizing events, which, let's say, were her favorite extracurricular activities. While she pursued, let's say, a very straight and narrow trajectory in terms of her career, first becoming an engineer and then gaining her MBA. Sida is a woman in an executive position. So we talk about confidence and what helps her cultivate it, how important it is for her to bring her full self to work. And she also shares some of the life lessons or traits that she learned from her mother. We then talk, of course, about brand building. Bombay is only 18 months old and is bringing in 25% of the revenue of, of the group company. And we also talk about the important and subtle or difficult relationship that women have with their facial and body hair. We finish by talking about tattoos, our favorite words, and she shares some really compelling thoughts when I ask her about a place that has marked her in her life. I adored my conversation with Sida, and I'm hoping that you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. So here we go. Happy listening. So Sida, thank you so much for joining me on Out of the Clouds. Welcome. Thank you so much, Anne. <laughs> very, very happy to be here. As same here. It's so nice to see you again. Same here. I love to ask my guests to start by telling their story quite freely. Instead of starting with what we do, I like to start with talking about who we are. And sometimes people think it's a kind of a big question, but I, I kind of like to start this way. So Sida, would you do me the honor and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and, and where you come from? I, I'll be happy to. And a very, very good start. I also personally believe that you know the person, you know most. everything else about them comes secondary. So, all right. So let me start by what the meaning of my name is, because I think that gives a lot of perspective. At least in India, all names mean something, right? So I feel that people manifest it in different ways, or at least manifest what they believe the meaning of their names are. I think it plays a very important role. So ever since I grew up, I've been raised by a single mother. And she, so Siddha breaks as someone who proves. So Siddha, which is the first five letters of my name, mean to prove something. So my mom always told me the meaning of Siddha is to prove. And I think that that has stuck so much with me ever since I was 
very very little if i like retrospect is that i think i spent a lot of my childhood trying to prove <laughs> <laughs> i'm jumping the gun here but like broadly i come from a very small not a very small but a decently small mid tier town just on the outskirts of nagpur which itself is town and have been raised by my mother in very interesting and not so normal circumstances so i think that has shaped uh, a lot of who i am be it ever since i was young i realized that the ability to get out of poverty or to get out of limited means was to be well educated to create a life that is a little more elevated from we were at currently were to work hard and to you know go up the maslow's pyramid so would have gone from the basic the bottom level which is food shelter clothing to the next level literally means step change right so i think i'll spend a lot of my childhood in purely immersing myself in education in finding ways to educate myself i love that you started with your name because you're right actually thinking about the fact that you started as a little girl thinking that you had to prove that you could do things it's yeah. kind of a big deal so what did you choose to study what path did you follow for yourself yeah so and that's a very interesting question i would like to say that i i have not made active choices for the longest time in my life <laughs> I forgot you told me that the first time we talked. Yeah. And I'd like you to explain this to our listeners. That's so interesting. Mm. So, lot of the only active choice I made was to prove. <laughs> I think that's the only active choice I made. I love it. So whatever is handed to me, I will try to prove that I can do the best. Not to the outside world or anyone, but like just to myself and maybe to my mother. that yes i could do this and we could do this in india most of at least middle class people lower middle class people the aspiration to you know go to the next level always is okay get like study well now it's like really changed but when i was growing up there were like you know two three big jobs that could be a sure shot okay sure like if she's a doctor or if she's an engineer have some sort of stability in life i would say that i was quite a rebellious person in general so i would choose i would not change what the outcome was but i would take the weirdest path to reach <laughs> the outcome i was a very rebellious kid so when it like i could very easily be sincere and could say i was sincere and diligent but i was not i i have spent a lot of my time being sent out and punished out of class or being chased around by my mother of why i why i don't study any time just before the day of the exams i would find these small ways of rebelling <laughs> uh, not like nothing major or mainstream but i i think that would that would be my sort of test against time but yeah about choices so long story short i have not honestly till the time i chose this current job i don't think i have made any active choices i truly believe that the universe conspires in my favor and what i have chosen is to make the most out of the situation 
that most people say is the right thing to do and i have done it now finally 30 when i turned 30 i realized okay this is high time that i made made a more active choice Congrats. so i did so i did make it but a lot of the previous choices were very typical anyone who is a good student would make so like it's like you do your undergrad in a very good school you do your preparation for the exam then you do a job for a small duration then you do a post grad from another premier institution but to the very it's such a set path that in fact there are wedding portals that that target just this cohort like it's called iit iim jobs which means people who've done like the two colleges that i have gone through to like make them meet and greet so that's how typical <laughs> the paths the paths i've chosen have been but as i told you i i've chosen atypical ways in between to you know to get mm-hmm. out of those so for example when i went to my undergrad college I, while i went there to like take a degree in civil engineering but i think i spent 85% of my time there just dancing or organizing <laughs> dance events so found my small acts of rebellion in this manner same with post grad spend most of my time either traveling during my exchange term across europe or doing events like my primary identifier was siddha is like the face of events and wow can you tell us what kind of events you were throwing we have this cultural festival called unmad which means pure bliss or pure celebration like nomenclaturally and it has events of two three different types one is competitions across four five genres which is music dance literature informal events and then there are these pro nights etc where performers like famous performers at a national level come and perform and do pro nights and concerts etc so the events would span across i started with doing dance events because dance it would involve orchestrating and getting participants out of different colleges to participate in very interesting and different formats so it could be like street battles it could be group choreo nights it could be impromptu dance etc etc so started my first year did that second year was like more holistic organization of the entire fest from how do wow. we publicize how do we get more people how do we get more footfall who do we approach to to get sponsors etc and all of that so so everything so i think i truly enjoy the germination of an idea and adding part creativity to it and then seeing it manifest at scale that is something i truly truly enjoy and that is mm. honestly now that i look back as i speak to you these are honestly the only active decisions i have made <laughs> the first time It's i did was like to dance and to explore dance events at scale then which mm. became a little more larger scale then when i went to bain which was my first like long job after my mba which is a consulting firm and even there on the side i had a wedding planning company with a colleague of mine so, so no this, way uh, <laughs> as a side gig you were organizing yeah. weddings yeah and i love you do it. love events <laughs> yeah imagine it's crazy now and then the first active decision i took to switch job out of being which is to join bombay shaving company if i look back actually reflects the same mentality which is that i really love the germination of an idea and seeing it impact people at scale the happiness joy and the utility of doing 
pure consumer like whoever is your audience is your consumer right is something that really attracted me so it truly was the intersection of strategy execution and creativity and i realized that i need all of these three to be very very excited about yeah about my next uh, career and I, and actually when i made this active decision then i then i got crazy with planning then i decided that i would plan i had directionally planned a lot of things i realized that you know it takes 10000 hours to become an expert in something allegedly <laughs> yeah <laughs> allegedly jury still out but yeah let's say it takes 10000 hours and let's say 200 days a year you work in india you work for longer hours so let's say you work for 10 hours actively so 2000 hours a year so 5 years is the bare minimum you need to spend time to become an expert at something so the first 5 years of my active career was bain where i was a management consultant so so the first 5 years of my career directionally were were siddha the consultant or siddha the thinker and strategizer and the next 5 years are now siddha the business person and so this is just one year in but i i would of course at least do this for another 5 years for <laughs> 5 years i decided the next 5 years would be siddha the student and traveler and wanna be influencer <laughs> and then the next 5 years would be i love to cook i really mm-hmm. enjoy cooking and i love fashion so so i have to decide next 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 5 year buckets between fashion first or food first and then the next 5 years would be something else but what i would really like mm. i choose to become jack of many trades and directionally master at some <laughs> that's in my life <laughs> i can't tell you the strangest synchronicity of you saying this today because two days two days ago yeah on friday evening i had a podcast interview with a wonderful writer <laughs> who i got in touch with because he wrote an amazing blog post that i obviously will send you his name is salman ansari he's actually of asian descent but he's based in <laughs> that and is based in california and his blog post which went viral was about being a polymath which is yeah. <laughs> a jack of all trades master of none and he told me that there's a follow up to that saying yeah. which says something along the side of Jack of all trades, master of none, but often better than master of Being one. Master of one, yeah. <laughs> <gasps> I mean, so you know what I wanted to tell you, listening to you saying this about your love of working on events and seeing them at scale and bringing joy and ideating and stuff. I was thinking to myself that you must have a lot of vision. in order to bring this to life right you need yeah. to be able to envision something and now the way that you're describing the way that you're planning those five year increments of your life reinforces that did you always have this sense that you could have this deep vision into things that's a very good question let's say i have always been quite an imaginative and and sort of a dreamer like i remember 
very young so because it was just me and my mom we used to stay in a small rented house which was attached to someone also staying in the house and she would go out to work etc so i had to spend a lot of my childhood by myself so i do remember vaguely of doing very random things like for example i would drape her there's a drape outfit called sari from india which is literally like a long cloth that you drape right so i remember like that's my earliest memory of having a vision is <laughs> so i remember i like draped it very randomly to make like a long dress and then i would walk and i would look at the mirror and i would like speak about my acceptance speech of let's say miss india or miss oh, wow. etc <laughs> so so i realized that the dreaminess comes from a long time long time back but but jokes aside i think for the longest time i was able to see visions manifest at low to medium scale in let's say first you do a event locally then you do it at a city level or at a national level etc and i started realizing that not like everything takes an army of people to do right it takes hundreds and 200s of people to make a two day event a reality and what i realized is earlier i used to really undermine my ability to mobilize teams and crowds that i used to think that i would probably not be able to i would be able to create like small task forces and get you know those small task forces going but i think the first time i realized the impact i can have like on a scale team of like a 40 50 or 100 people was when it was 2 3 days before an event at imb my postgraduate institution where i did my mba you know 2 days before an event you you can either feel completely prepared or completely overwhelmed there is no like there's no midway uh, right so i think we were on the overwhelmed side of things and mm. were really it was like you know we need to pull like we need to put 72 hours in the next 48 hours to make this happen and i think i gave sort of a war cry speech which i didn't know i had the capacity and potential of giving and it was like part emotional part passionate and that is the first time it actively hit me that uh, a vision is nothing without its execution right and yeah. the distance between the vision to execution is purely like let's say like you know vision is the top of the mount everest and you're at base camp it's purely you know your ability to navigate the entire team to at Up. least reach somewhere yeah so and it was the first time i realized that i used to think that either i can execute something that i envision by just putting my own individual efforts or at least like three four people's efforts and you know make it happen and of course most teams 20% of the people do 80% of the job so so i realized that two things that i subconsciously did one is identify and develop deep relationships with these 20% people and then being able to mobilize them made me realize that okay i can probably like i was underestimating the ability of uh me in, in getting things done so it it leads to an unlock when you think you can move from like say a project to a full organization or charter level thing it's a different unlock and i think that confidence then further precedes or is the 
preceding ingredient for you to be able to then vision larger bigger and just have the confidence of being able to do that because the one thing that i have struggled most with and the one thing that has probably led to the best outcome is being optimistic to a fault right like there requires a different skill and i am amazed by people so like my founder who's the ceo of this company and some very senior partners at bain especially people who are like sales oriented right they will be optimistic to the next level like you cannot even imagine how like how are you like so okay this will happen okay we'll do this and it comes with like so much purity and joy and love and i realized that that is something that either through my own inherent or surrounding myself with such people i need to develop because that optimism then leads you to have that that horses blinder right that you just take this focus and then keep dreaming dreaming bigger and bigger but yeah i think that was the early identifier for myself i would mm-hmm. say i hide it pretty well but there are i i am inherently not a very confident person but i found my devices to aid confidence when i feel underconfident <laughs> oh that's interesting oh i have to ask about that now what do you do to help you feel or fill yourself with more confidence so there so there are two parts to this one is external confidence one is internal confidence external confidence is a little easy so what i do is that it will sound very <laughs> very vain <laughs> but the one thing that i i feel that everyone should have one anchor every day that they feel uh, everything in the world could go wrong but that one thing cannot go wrong like that is but that one thing is in their minds at least untouched undeterred undone and for me that one thing is how i've dressed i have found personally for me the whole process of getting dressed etc is so meditative in itself i like to call myself i like to be like a peacock of the crowd and like to stand out i feel that the one thing and for different people different for someone it could be a special someone in their life for someone it could be their pet it could be their child it could be the food they eat it could be anything it could be of something course. very deep and something like deep and shallow are of course also very subjective but 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 that one rock for me from an external perspective is literally i can look mm-hmm. myself in the mirror at siddha the world could collapse right now but one thing that can't collapse is how beautiful you look <laughs> and that's something <laughs> that is a source of external confidence that i it's like my armor it's literally my Mm. like my preparation to like go into the gladiator like so it for me it's my armor literally mm. so yeah so that is my like primary external confidence source so you were you were saying something oh that's fascinating there was a designer i used to work with called rolla moray who's mm. pretty famous and for for some of his amazing dresses like the galaxy dress and i remember that he often talked about the clothes he was making for women as a soft armor and now i'd like to ask you do you feel like you need to put on an armor in order to brave the business world nowadays as a woman yeah i would say everyone has different devices you not seen me like you can't see my height on this but like i am very short i am like 5 feet 2 inches 
Oh, yeah, no, oh. I, was, I thought you were like 5'8". Well, see, you look tall to me. Yeah, maybe it's my bone structure, but I'm very exactly. short. I'm very short. I look young, younger than people who you would expect to be at this stage in business. And we can talk about this endlessly, but I think that for the longest time, because there were fewer women in leadership positions in business, right? They had a lot of male mentors. So a lot of the looking up to that they needed to or had to do was to conform to the way they were, right? So even like if you see a lot of the first generation or the second generation CXOs, CEOs who are women would have very similar haircuts, will have a specific type of baritone. So so I feel that there was a certain amount of compromise or I don't know, maybe it was their choice, but there was a certain impact of the environment of the setting that they were working around and they had to conform or they had to, you know, to, to be like a part of the table, to have a voice at the table, might have had to make some maybe subconscious tweaks and that is something that I have promised myself I would never do like I would never chop my hair to save time like apart from saving time but like to be to be taken more seriously I would never want to change my personality to sort of you know to be able to To fit fit into that definition of this is what a businesswoman or the leader of a business Mm. looks like sounds like so I go the extreme other way I would dress in the confines of, you know, what is, of course, appropriate, acceptable and so on. But I would like always stand out. That is something that I would always do. So especially when it's like meetings with investors, etc. and all of that, I would ensure that you can't miss me. Like in a sea of blues and whites, I would be like a purple. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And for our listeners who, unlike me, can't see you right now, you have a really beautiful, beautiful shawl. Or is that part of your sari? In degradés of pinks. And that's, that would definitely stand out in a sea of blue and gray and black. Mm. Yeah. So, so that is something that I use honestly as a device. Also to express my personality. And also I actually consciously, if especially when I have bigger meetings, more impact to make, I actually think about also what I'd be wearing. I totally don't understand uh, the whole philosophy of only dressing in like a particular color to save time. I feel that there should be some joy. And for everyone, there's a different joy. So maybe for them, it's food. For someone, it's someone. But I feel like colors and self-expression are so important, especially... Like I am designing for the woman consumer. Like I am designing products and making scale happen for the woman consumer. So I should be as colorful, bold, badass as the woman consumer, right? So I need yeah. to, or the brand needs to emulate the personality that I have and vice versa. So need to stay honest to that, but very consciously choose my armor. And it oh, gives me great awesome. joy to choose it. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> The energy that you're giving me as you're talking about it is is very clear. It's funny when you say that because I have a half-brother and his late wife used to despair because he has been wearing the same clothes year in, year out. Like he will find a pair of jeans and a polo or a shirt and he will wear them until they fall off of his back. 
unless you make him wear something else. But he's a scientist. So his joy comes somewhere else. (laughs) Each to their own. He finds his creativity in other places, I guess. (laughs) Um, Now, I remember in our first conversation that you told me that, and I think you hinted at it, that your relationship with your mother was seminal to you because she brought you up as a single mom. So I'd love to hear from you. How much has she shaped or how do you feel her influence now that you're in the position that you're in? So yeah, you know, all mothers and daughters have complicated relationships to say the least. And I, like we being the one person for each other has shaped my life in like both very positive and sometimes not so positive ways as well. So I think two, three amazing things uh, that I absolutely, absolutely imbibe from her. And even many time I don't realize it. She's relentless to a fault. Uh, I mean, the amount of perseverance it would have taken for a 21-year-old to raise a daughter in extremely poor circumstances when the entire family is disowning you. And when you yourself aren't educated enough to earn even basic I mean it requires a totally different muscle it requires you to almost like you know that that armor you was a virtual armor but she yeah. had to really like create a very strong armor one to protect me second to find means for us to grow and also to be very headstrong and she also had a vision it her vision was to ensure that I don't compromise on my education so one way or the other that was something that she she always ensured. So I think just the fact that A, have that vision and stick to it, right? I think it comes a lot from her. Second, she's so relentless and perseverant, not even from the early time, but even now, like she's 55 years old and every two, three years, she has a completely different aspiration. And it's like, it's cute. It's sometimes frustrating, but it is just so... It is just so amazing that she has that curiosity to want to learn something impeccable. Like she wanted to, like she wanted to learn animal husbandry once because she wanted to, like she wanted to go back. Like she wanted, to, she said it when I was young. We used to farm and we used to have these cows and goats. So I want to learn how to raise animals, which changed. I want to study law, which she studied, which changed to I want to do something in education. So. While I would love for her to follow through a little more, but I think just the vision and the curiosity that she has to learn is something that inspires me because uh, there are times when I see people who are 25, 26 and they question, you know, they start having a midlife crisis at that age as to what am I doing with my life? I need to start running and owning things right now. But I think there's just so much beauty in pursuing knowledge and learning and getting better every day and to give it time in the generation of Netflix and instant gratification. I think something that we tend to forget a lot is that everything is not as easy as switching. Oh, I don't like this. Let me switch. Let me, switch, let me swipe left. Right, uh-huh. et cetera, right. Yeah. So I think she, like she keeps me grounded a lot like that. So a, dream and vision second when you dream and vision have curiosity and intent to learn and third like be perseverant and relentless out i think some of those i genuinely have in my genes like without actively seeking them out and on days when i forget i i remind myself that 
like she's like gone through a lot we've gone through a lot for us to be here so so the amount of gratefulness i feel is, is extremely high that's so wonderful <laughs> She sounds really amazing. But now I hear about her many aspirations. I also understand what you are sharing about your your switching five-year plans. (laughs) (laughs) Except that you want to follow through. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You want to become an expert at each of those. That's awesome. Yeah. So... Let's switch it up and talk a little bit about the brand that you were brought in to spearhead. So, well, let's start first by how did this brand come about? Because it's pretty recent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's been one and a half years. So it's very interesting. So Bombay Shaving Company, for a little bit of context, started about five and a half, six years back with with like the core objective to make grooming the whole grooming experience more joyful and sexy for men earlier it was uh, very drudgery very uh, no it's a functional thing you do it you get over with it men don't yeah. even talk to each other about it so it was really to elevate and add joy and sass to the process of upkeep especially the world is changing now it's not so Earlier, a lot of the onus, like if I have to be like very crass about it, like a lot of the onus of looking good in India was on women, right? That was in in a way uh, an input factor into how well off you would marry to, how stable a family you would get, and the onus of getting financially stable was on the guy. But as more and more women enter into the workforce, more and more general equality of education comes about then like jobs start becoming equal women start being more financially independent so they're not marrying primarily to gain stability but they are marrying more out of choice and out of sheer willingness to share a life with that person at least like directionally right of course so, so then then you have to up your game then you can't just be, you <laughs> so know, guys I work hard, I can never punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that was like, that was, you know, the chain we were seeing and that was how the company started. So it started with shaving, grooming, went into a lot of personal care and it still does. And one and a half year back when the first wave of COVID hit, I hadn't joined then yet, but there were women in the company who were like, hey, it's COVID. We can't go anywhere. So in India, hair removal for women is 80 to 90% services where you go to a salon and you get yeah. waxed. So that is the primary mode of hair removal. Versus let's say in Europe and US, they are still much more penetrated. That is actually, It would be the inverse there. Here yeah. because cost of services is cheaper and the outcome of waxing is perceived to be higher in terms of longevity so you would so shaving or hair removal from a DIY or a product environment was was there but wasn't as big as services so they were like hey we're a hair removal shaving we are shaving company we have something for women Uh, so the first set of products that we created was a whole regimen or I would like to call it a ritual of hair removal which was a shaving foam a shaving razor and an aftershave gel all three of them to make the whole process very ritualistic, very elevated DIY and with a very state-of-the-art, beautifully designed razor that we went into the market with. So that's how. So it was Margaret Mead 
had said that never doubt what a group of well-intentioned citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that can. I yeah. think that truly holds true for this example because yeah, so it started there and what started as just an offshoot. Then we quickly realized that without a lot of marketing, this will naturally, of course, tailwinded by COVID was picking up so well uh, that we realized, oh, by the way, this is a gold mine. Anyway, women, like women run the world or the future of anything that you do, right? So when we realize that, you know, this is not an offshoot, this is a whole big thing. Yeah. And we need to nurture it and nourish it. Uh, that's where I came in and then we started to make it a separate brand and give it a whole new identity and of course create a whole longer range of products to satisfy this identity. So, so yeah, that's mm. how the inception or the origin story went about. Thank you so much for sharing that. I looked up the range and I discovered the website and stuff and some of this could do well in Europe too, by the way. Uh, We are very, we are very. I I just want to tell you that. Uh, But I'd love for you to share how you ended up joining because I believe you thought that the Bombay Shaving Company was based in Bombay, didn't you? (laughs) Of course. Imagine there's a company called Geneva Shaving Company and it's based in Berlin. <laughs> you would be shocked. <laughs> I would be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that, that's an interesting story. So, almost five years in at Bain, I started realizing that my Ikigai was in this intersection of strategy, execution, and creativity. We spoke about this before. And what I was doing at Bain was a lot of strategy, a little bit of execution. But, you know, whenever you're servicing clients, it's not yours, yours, right? It's not your baby, you're at best babysitting. You can do your best job at babysitting, but you still not be your baby. You'll not see the first steps or the first words and all of those things. That is the, the milestones best the way to describe it because I'm a consultant and I find that very painful sometimes. Exactly. So yeah, so, so that was that was weighing on me for some time. And I was, I had just, at best, I just laid the thoughts of, hey, I want to leave out in the universe. That's the best I had done. And like verbally told a few of my team members who were my juniors and were like very close to me. So one of them like took it like, he took this responsibility of helping find me a job like very to the heart. So he would very actively keep sending me, hey, this is how this is coming. It was very, it was very like, you know, hip and well entrenched into the... Mm-hmm investor community and LinkedIn, etc. So he used to like do a lot of this. And I'm very, very thankful to him. His name is Kaushik. And three, four times he'd send me something. I had like, I looked past it out of either being busy or feeling that this doesn't, doesn't seem to match, etc. But I hadn't really actively paid attention. But then one day he sent me a LinkedIn post. And it was different, right? Because before this, I was getting these job descriptions and these PDFs. And this was like a very crisp LinkedIn post with five bullet points. And he said, hey, this description of the person that he's looking for sounds exactly like you. Awesome. And then I read it and I was like, oh my God, yes. Like, some, They had took like my essence and written it down. You know, it was almost like destiny. And I was like, okay, two things. One, this this. Kaushik is making a lot of effort for me. I should at least make the effort of like, you know, going on a date. It's like all of your friends are trying to set you up and you're not even like have the audacity or the 
whatever the gratitude to at least go on one of those dates that they've set up for you i'm like okay worth going on a date i saw the name of the company it was bombay shaving company usually i would check where the company is based out of etc because i was in the city of bangalore which is in the southern part of india and if you know about india in india each state is like a different country india is like as diverse as eu mm, uh, in yeah, itself course. right uh, so the southern part of india is very different from the northern part of india from everything quality of life weather etc and like a whole where you are support group right so i had a very strong support group in bangalore i had not thought that i would leave the city at all but because the name had bombay bombay is where i did my undergrad and that was my like was my second first home because i after i i was in nagpur my hometown for 17 years and the first plunge out of nagpur for my undergrad uh-huh. college was in bombay so mm-hmm. it had some you know some sense of attachment to it so i think worth of course worth exploring a conversation can go on a date even if that doesn't become a serious thing but maybe a one night stand who knows right so like that is what i thought so i had the first conversation it was amazing towards the fag end of the conversation he tells me that we are based in delhi and i was like oh my god i hate delhi like i don't <laughs> use the word hate for anything like and i'm a very kind person i'm very choice about my use of the word hate i never use it for anything but i really did hate the city for a lot of reasons i wouldn't go into that but yeah so like first date second date third date like a lot of these dates happened oh and, and i realized <laughs> that and i realized that so most of the conversations weren't about what the role is or if it's right for me etc but oh my god how do i go to that place but but i'm glad i did i think that what the ceo shantanu he convinced me and rightly so is that you're too young in your life to not jump into something that sounds perfect out of location right and of course he made it very comfortable for me like you can do whatever you want you can like travel back and forth we can like or like, you can join in remotely for some time etc and all of that sure. so so yeah that was the interesting story of not knowing which restaurant my date is at in a way and then like still making it happen so so yeah that you overcame uh, yeah that's <laughs> kind of yeah. phenomenal <laughs> Hmm. Now I read a little bit there were a few articles that I saw on you and a couple of really lovely interviews that you've given and I remember you telling me prior to today's conversation that you had a lot of fun and you felt like a lot of commitment towards shaping culture even when you were at Bain and that yeah. creating links between people was really important and i read that even though you're under the umbrella of the bombay shaving company which is obviously a men's grooming brand you're almost entirely a by woman for women brand so i was wondering if you could talk to me about what it was like to support this brand's setup and and work towards the culture as well as developing the product Yeah, I know that's a very good question. Like firstly, like we are such a well-knit company and internally the leadership team, the CEO, the COO and I co-chair the people com- what we call the people committee which is like the well-being and culture and karma of everyone at Bombay Shaving Company, everyone, all employees. 
what we have in common is that we are truly people first i think we've all come from institutions where we witness that great things happen when you have the right people so i think one is that intention when before you do meditation or before you do yoga you first set the intent of the practice so that intent has always been that we know that the right people with with the right and the right people like we have a definition but if we are right intrinsic with the right passion and love and care for what we are trying to build is all that we need to get that is the basic premise and foundation of how we we've identified you know building blocks of the culture and those are things that we live by across the organization and those are the things that we actively seek in everyone we get in the company but yeah so coming to the for women by women thing i think what we realized very early on is that especially the moment i came in one or two things became apparent that being a consumer being or being at least a target audience or the target group for for the particular product is is already like a big hump cross right so a lot of the experiences are so personal a woman can at best describe what a hair removal experience is like what a period feels like etc can at best describe and at best we can create simulators for men to experience that the daily feeling rigmarole etc of what they go through be it hair removal be it any life journey is something that is very innate and fortunately or unfortunately has become a part of how we behave right? for example i was talking to my ceo the other day and, and he was like actually i realized that i don't know how it is to feel unsafe on a regular basis and i was like i feel unsafe like 5 10 minutes every day <laughs> at least right like if i'm like walking alone in an alley or if i'm in a lift with this one person it's too late in the night or if i'm waiting for my cab and it's late in the night so i realize mm-hmm. that these are some things that we don't even realize that we have conditioned ourselves to but this is an example of an experience but so, so you know a lot of these cumulative experiences are something that we need to build for and we realize that most organizations were men building for women hence every marketing every brand campaign looked exactly the same it was so male pov the product the name of the product will be like desire and all like, like who names like which woman will name a product we will want to buy a product called desire for <laughs> so, so very small things but but we realized very early on from like from, from the way i used to speak about the consumer and we used to explain to each other and many men used to be amazed at oh wow and like I was, this is not oh wow this is just like this is just 101 i think it also helps for a woman to be designing for a women brand and hence she knows that for this role uh, this kind of a thing is more useful so i wouldn't say that we've actively chosen to have just women but we've seen that women just inherently understand the problem statement so well that we've seen them create exceptional outcomes so for the core core part of what we develop as a brand what we develop as products etc it is primarily women we also want some diversity in terms of inputs etc right so we do go back to the broader organization etc for uh help and support on strategic inputs and all of that uh, but yeah for like creating the core of like the design this is what it should look like this is what we should sound like so all the five six senses is all like 
owned by women to a great extent so i think that brings a lot of character to what we do mm. yeah character is certainly something that i found and that i really enjoyed it I really, really enjoyed it. I want to jump off straight away to asking you, how did you guys decide to do this collaboration with comedians to talk about, with female comedians to talk about their grooming and their shaving or waxing experiences? Because I was thinking to myself, boy, I could participate in that because yeah. I've had some pretty bad, <laughs> bad experiences before. Exactly, exactly. Like that, that brings a lot of memories. You should check out the, I don't know if you saw the stand-up. No, I didn't see the well. stand-up. I just saw uh, the, the Instagram post okay, okay, that was uh, launching it and I couldn't see the link uh, for it. But it uh, looked so fun. And I was like, oh my God, this is so logical. I'm going to ping you a link that you oh, can yes, watch please. when you have time. Oh, yeah. So what we realized is that every woman, like after periods, the funniest thing about this experience is that everyone goes for, everyone will have, you know, like sex, like what my first time was like, how did it feel? (laughs) They're just like, it just opened to so many conversation because because for women hair removal is the first delta creator of beauty like before you have sex the first thing you will do is like you'll check like you're so where right the hair like where where hair is in the right place the first time you'll like wear a sleeveless dress you will like do a wear the first check is always that it meant something something as basic instinct as that it just opens itself to so many interesting conversations so so, so the germination of the idea of hey let's talk about it then what better way to talk about it than to make fun of it, uh, right? And what we realized is that it's, it's a universal experience. We, everyone will have their own stories. Like I cannot, like I remember my first time more, my first time of hair removal more vividly than I remember my first time having sex. So, so that is how vividly I, I realized that now I can't anyway, leave that aside. But yeah, so that's the truth of it. So A, interesting format. B, like mm. everything, women's stand-up comics are way underrepresented in India. So for mm. like stand-up comedy is totally picking up, but like for every 10 male stand-up comics, there would be like one woman stand-up comic, right? So we realized that there are just, and again, like there were comedy created by men that was very centered around men and their perception of their relationships with women. Some would be thoughtful, but most of them would always be around some very typical topics, etc. So we realized, hey, this is a golden opportunity to A, have a women perspective to comedy, something that women will relate to a lot more beyond just like laughing from the male POV. So bring the female POV and then within female POV, bring some small interesting aspects of everyone's experience with grooming Mm. and it naturally transcends to so many dirty topics. (laughs) So so it was like a very, uh, when you look at these videos, you also realize that there's so much, so much character and uniqueness with such a universal experience as well. So we, our vision is, was and is to make stand-up comedy around grooming to sort of be like, there's a concept called Coke Studio in India where Coke does a lot of like live music concerts as well as shows around this. So the 
aim and hope is for this to scale and for us to sustain this on a regular basis. Oh, I see what you're doing. This is just you organizing events again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this was our first physical event. We did this in Bombay. And and yeah. It sounds fantastic, (laughs) honestly. I'm really looking forward to watching it. (laughs) But so I want to jump into the the topic of, let's say, first marketing and content marketing. So in order to build a new brand, which by the way, is incredibly successful. So I read that within a year and a half of launching, the Bombay, which is B-O-M-B-A-E, so mm-hmm. the, the women's side of the Bombay Shaving Company that you're the head of, is, is raking in 25% of the sales of the group. So kudos. Women were indeed ready and you did a great job. But so how are you building the brand? And how is the content that you're developing helping you connect with the consumer? So I always define the brand as having four important parts. How memorable the brand is, how shoppable it is, how attractive it is. And how consumable it is. I think these are the four foundational parts to developing a brand. And I'll speak about each in a bit and then move into content. Is So memorability is how people remember me by. So what are the things that I say, the thing that I show? A lot of this is a content driven. But memorable is, you know, if I were to to have asked people who've seen me or heard me once to tell me how they feel about it. So that is the memorability of the band. That's a very core of what we do. We really over-index on how we can make ourselves memorable. Our brand essence is to be bold and irreverent and honest. So these are are the things, when when I think about memorability, I would always ask myself that what we are doing, is it bold is it honest is it irreverent or all of these together so that's a constant question that i ask myself and so in everything that we do right be it the stand-up comedy thing that you were speaking about we did a very interesting women's day campaign called break the hierarchy where hair like h-e-i-r was spelled as hair and it was all about all women just flaunting their body hair and women of different ages women of different sizes shapes etc and like it's especially in india where you most brands just show the outcome they they just show smooth legs in and out like you wouldn't even be able to see body hair and unfortunately even if you try very hard to actually show body hair which is something we struggle with is women's hair Women are so beautiful mm. and in so much light, you can't even see their hair. So we have to make a lot of active effort <laughs> to show to show body hair. But but having said that, what we ensure in terms of making the brand memorable is it is always memorable for the thing that we stand for. That people should take away that, wow, this was mm. bold, this was honest, this was a little cheeky, mm-hmm. but we loved it kind of a thing. So we always push ourselves a lot on these boundaries. Awesome. We don't shy away uh, from taking on behemoths. We don't shy away from questioning status quo. We might not be able to do it at 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 a scale that I would like love to immediately. So, but I think we've sowed the seeds for for this to mm. branch out into a huge, huge phenomenon. So that is something that we 
that I honestly like always step back in like are we so even as people who we get into like as influencer or, or as creators for my brand uh, we also like do a fair bit of diligence and thinking around them stand alone also vibing with the brand right uh, sure yeah because I saw you've got a great campaign with Alaya F yeah yeah she's so much fun yeah <laughs> I love the campaign she is I mean, it looked like a real great sort of alignment with what I understood the brand absolutely. to be. Absolutely. No, you are absolutely right. And in India, there are many actresses and ambassadors I am aware of who might not even touch the product on their skin. But she literally used every product. She was a user of a product of our face razors, etc. before as well. But in the shoot, we ensured she grew out her hair. But like, she's so, she's so beautiful. Even if you zoom in to, to the NS level, I you mean... can't see anything. <laughs> but she's literally grown out every, like, all her body hair, her eyebrows, etc. Everything. And she is phenomenal to work with. And exactly. So she is very honest, very, she's herself in so many ways. We see, and we found a great connection. She's so hardworking and, and the amount of love and joy she just brings on set is, is just phenomenal. So, so I agree. We've really like, we've, we've been very conscious of this in all our big, small choices and, and luckily they've paid off to some extent. So yeah, we're very thankful oh, for that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was wondering, what was the response from the consumers from this campaign? So I think the few things that consumers came back with saying was a very fresh. We've not seen hair removal being celebrated. Like at wax, it would be, hey, you're ready for this date now. Or hey, whatever, right? So this this was no ulterior motive, but to just celebrate and be joyful in the moment about yourself and hence outside. There was a constant, you know, in bathroom, outside bathroom, in bathroom, outside bathroom experience. We showed hair removal at least in to some extent as to what it is. Like it is not in a very sexy position and like you're very sexily removing hair. It's never like that. Like you're like, you have to stand in weird angles. <laughs> yeah. Like you go crazy uh, in your bathroom. It's your space. It's Women your listening to item. us know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So we would never create an ad where someone is just like sitting with like sh- <laughs> legs as shiny as oil with more oil than all the gulf combined and let's say hey if you use this this will happen and like i'm sure like in the west it might have advertising etc has already moved leaps and bounds from this but but here like at mass and scale that's still aspirational it's a tough choice to constantly keep standing for what we stand for and hope more and more of the world comes around but yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's, I was thinking to myself that I know enough about, what do I know? I feel like I know what women feel like as to where they stand with body hair and facial hair in Europe, in America, but India is a very different. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, as I was also reading the way that you're leading the brand, which I think is very interesting. How do you entertain conversations around women and 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 their relationship with their body hair and just one thing I want to add you don't just talk to women yeah yeah. talk to female identifying yeah yeah people 
which I thought yeah, was already yeah, was, yeah. very, very inclusive and, and really wonderful to see. Yeah. No, thank No matter how inclusive we try to get, I realize that there'll always be some identity that we might be excluding. Sure. But I hope that the intent is encompasses the gesture. I think every woman's relationship with her body hair, every individual's relationship with their body hair is very, very unique and personal. And it's, it's a very regular relationship. Like you're always conscious of it. By conscious, I mean you're always aware of it, that it's there or the lack of it. So even if it's when you stroke your arm, etc., where there's hair, where there's no hair, etc. But you'll always be aware of, you know, what's going on top to toe with different parts of your body and hair on different parts of your body and how it's making you feel. So I feel that A, that relationship is very personal. B, that relationship is very complex. Same thing as fitness, right? So but in my early 20s, I used to feel that looking skinny, like looking physically skinny is being fit. Or it is, or it was my definition of being fit or looking the way I would want to look. Late 20s became a bit, I went through like, thyroid, PCOD, etc. So it was a whole lot of fluctuations where I where I used to tie in vein and I used to feel why am I bloating up, etc. and all of that. But then I realized over time that there's a deeper meaning to fitness, at least in my opinion, which means really being physically strong more than anything, more than looking skinny or being able to fit in the same clothes, which I love. Like I love having to lose out on my clothes because of sizing up. Like for example, I still can't do push-ups properly. Like I've I've worked out very regularly ever since COVID, etc. But I think women relatively upper yeah. body strength is a bit is a bit lower, right? So so for me, for the ability to slightly do better push-ups every day is now the new benchmark. And maybe five five years later it'll be something else and so on. So I realized so so like that body hair is a very personal relationship. It evolves over time. When I was younger, I would try all of these weird things if I couldn't go to a salon to remove my body hair, etc. and all of that. Now I have a very different approach. But but I do feel it inherently. The one thing that, that a lot of brands sell is that if you do this, you will get more confident or you will get more you will get that job or like whatever. Like there, there are bit always there are these extensions. We are like, we don't care why you do it. We just don't care why you do it. We only care how you do it. Like for us, that is the essence of that relationship. That we don't care why you remove your hair. It's your own body. Like for me, because I believe in this armor and looking a particular way, I do feel that there are parts of my body hair that I can contain a little more. Like I don't care about hair here, here. Like because I have thyroid, I always like I grow hair every two, three days. Like I have hirsutism, so it like just grows out. So I can't control all of that. But like most days where I where I do feel that I probably remove hair because I feel it elevates 
the way my outfit looks on me for someone else it could be hey That's i remove my belly hair because i want to belly dance mm-hmm. uh, for someone who wants to learn how to i love dancing so i'm going to give a lot of dance examples but like for someone who does <laughs> pole dance it is actually so important for the skin to touch the pole that that you really have to be like as smooth as you can because then you will be able to make better contact etc and all of that or it could just be hygiene it could be for swimming for better flow etc or or it could just be that i just love the way this feels i want to lay, lay on my bed and look at the roof but or it could purely be that i want to have sex and i want to be smooth right or i don't so our pure essence is we really don't mm. care what your relationship is and why you are doing this but we do care how you do it because that is somewhere we can bring value joy uh to your uh to your life and and that's primarily it so the way we address this conversation is exactly by saying this not shying away from the fact that women do have body hair and they have a complex relationship but but i do feel that owning that relationship and then owning how i want to manage it is probably uh, the honest way to go about it i appreciate that thank you so much for sharing and also i can totally relate about the pushups <laughs> i actually i have a personal trainer and i went to her and she said what do you want to work on and i said i want to have a stronger mid back because i know this is what holds me back from certain yoga poses particularly handstand and stuff like that uh, and since yeah. i picked up with her I can do push-ups, not the oh, girl lovely. ones. <laughs> I feel so excited about this. Oh my it's god! Not funny. Please, please send me some tips. I I, I, I will tell can't. her. I've talked to you about this, and I will send you some tips for sure. Oh, now yeah. I'm glad that we talked about also what you want to offer the customer, the relationship to the product itself, because I read that with regards to the product development, you. as a brand have expressed very clearly on your website that you've said no to many things in terms of the formulations so like no parabens no silicone no cruelty no harmful compositions and i was thinking that's all well and good but there's still a lot of disposable plastic and for such mm. a new brand what other steps are you taking in terms of corporate social responsibility and sustainability to make sure that this is also addressed on behalf of a consumer who i guess also cares about this no absolutely that's a very good question and we are very conscious of it so i'll speak to you about it in like two parts one is in terms of sustainability there are a few active steps and a few passive steps which will become active that we've taken one is with every range that we create we we ask and question ourselves can we make a biodegradable version of this and when we can we do it for example for our face razors while we have a base range of face razors we also have a biodegradable range of face razors similarly for our disposable razors we will soon have so so one thing that we do is for everything that is uh, probably three four times used and disposed we question ourselves on the longevity uh, of it and see how we can increase that so while for razors the way we do it is that for a system razor where you can replace the cartridge we just have made the handle less plastic more silicone etc and we've like really balanced what 
what can be also decomposed or recycled better in india because sometimes plastic is actually more recyclable than glass for example in india because you don't have the capability of creating large scale factories plastic because it's used so much there's very good infrastructure present to do that so a lot of people don't realize that they think they're buying glass and they think they are being environmentally friendly but actually they just have the guise of being environmentally friendly because when they dispose that glass there is actually no mechanism to recycle it so we are very conscious and sometimes these things might seem antithetical but we are very conscious about each and every choice that goes into it so one is if as much as possible make it biodegradable second choose sources and packaging that can be recycled or is already recycled third we are already plastic neutral we do this by balancing basically we we are at par with as much plastic we consume or disposable we consume we give back so, so these are the first like you know the early steps that we are taking in terms of sustainability and it's it's a continuous effort so from getting away from doing away with bubble wrap to honeycomb wrapping by paper etc so we take a look at each step in our process and see how we can make it we used to do plantable cards everything so as much as we can from recycled oh. we already recycle we try to see if that can be further made a step forward into making it like a plant and in terms of overall purpose for the brand from a beyond profit perspective the purpose that we have aligned to is skilling of women and skilling beyond just education right skilling of women for them to be able to get more jobs for them to be able to get more income so and again a two parts of this one is tying up with various ngos uh, who who actively do skilling and to give both active time in terms of investing volunteering and helping grow their endeavors and efforts and personal investing time in mentorship for for women on a one on one basis and then the other part is enabling these things happen at scale within our organization outside our organization for example within our organization we have a lot of third party partners say women in the warehouse women who are what are store associates etc whose lives we can impact on a day to day basis so how do we create a plan for them to get elevated in their jobs very regularly and the third thing is pure organization level we've been the pioneers of taking a lot of women focused decisions and something something like we've started menstrual leave where you can get a no questions asked day off during your period if it becomes unsustainable to you and like periods are a very again different journey for everyone so we have a no you call it time out and every woman who went every person who menstruates is entitled to apply for that and get that in the organization so so for us i think making women successful is the broad purpose and then these are the different pillars mm. that we do on a big and small scale to be able to enable that and of course very regular day to day formal informal conversations about this is what is what it's really about to be able to execute and live uh, the purpose it, i feel very inspired by that i have to say it makes me happy and it makes me excited that there are companies out there that are making strides and creating these changes and who carry this mission of helping women 
thrive, right? And I hope that this leaves everybody else listening inspired. I know that even as a, <laughs> I think even in schools, they should give a time out menstrual day because I remember I would have needed that when I was a teenager. I wanted to switch things up and talk a little bit about your love of dancing. <laughs> Because I know that wellness and you've talked about the importance of being strong and your connection to your, to your body. And I know that you have a yoga practice and we'll talk about this in a minute, but you love, love, love dancing. And I wanted you to tell me first, how do you marry this, this love of dancing and a high powered job of a, of a brand that's, you know, in the middle of a fantastic growth? Do you even have time for dance? nowadays <laughs> so so i actually i i bring my full self to work so so if i have like if i'm applauding so I, behind the screen <laughs> so so in every organization actually that i've been a part of the one common thing that i have done apart from the job that i was supposed to do is either start a dance club or a dance competition <laughs> that oh. makes people dance at scale. I love, oh my God. I love it. You know what? My friend Amanda <laughs> would like want to join you for that. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So I think that is one common thing that I've done. So I do try to, this might seem forceful, but I am always like, when I feel that something can add joy and if, people can't see it yet. I think I have the ability to convince people to at least give it a try. Like that's the least I can do. So, so I love the fact that you said I can, it can feel forceful. <laughs> I can feel your energy is yeah. like, even if they don't get it yet. <laughs> yeah. In 30 minutes, you would know that I was right. Love it. <laughs> Just about dancing. But for example, last year we had a yoga day kind of a practice together. So I did like a dance yoga session or with everyone uh, and I do love company offsites because that is a place where you can focusedly try to do interesting things and move teams to you know sort of dance and come together etc and we have a very young group and setup here so what I'm planning to do and this, this is like the announcement now <laughs> is that I'm uh, planning to do like weekly dance classes for everyone here but I also get to like brush up on my own dance, teach other people and, and, you know, also have the sense of community while, while doing it. But yeah, I, it was probably slightly easier for me to dance in Bangalore because my entire undergrad dance group was there. So we used to get together and jam a lot more often. Here I dance either as warm up to a workout or as cool down to a workout or on just days when I'm feeling low, I just play music and I'll, I'll look in the mirror and I'll do a random thing. But my general objective is to always do one choreography a quarter. Like I, I just have these broad goals. Like sure. people will have, I want to read so many books a year. I will have like, I want to dance to so many new songs. I want to perform. I want to create videos and all of that I over overdo them on trips and all so, so like on trips I suddenly like do three four dances and I feel happy about it <laughs> and all of that so so yeah that's how I do balance it I like to find like-minded people or people who will become like-minded soon once they try it and help sort of spread the cause <laughs> that's awesome am I remembering right that you took part in competitions as well or am I yeah, making this yeah. up 
no no uh, i did i did <laughs> also one uh, one very important part that i forgot is that but like a lot of my friends keep getting married or so in india big part of weddings is is a function called sangeet which literally means music and that's when people sing and dance and come together so those are also like very regular in fact i'm going to a wedding this weekend where again i'll dance so i i get these regular outlets by design on account of my friends getting married how well. helpful of plus. your friends <laughs> <laughs> i swear i i am not kidding there are so so there are some friends of mine who are already great dancers uh, so with them it's like okay we we'll get together in jam uh, there are certain friends of mine who i have if, if they've invited me to their wedding and i have told them oh i'm sorry i rarely skip a friend's wedding like i i have principally decided that i will never do that but in the rare circumstances that it's not possible the first thing they express is not really anything about me but it's about oh my god then who who will do the sangeet <laughs> like who said that up <laughs> so like i'm i'm a person beyond beyond the dance <laughs> beyond my dancing skills <laughs> oh, oh my god that's so funny <laughs> oh thank you so much for sharing that so as you know the podcast is like me at the crossroads between business and and mindfulness and i wanted you to tell us So apart from dance what helps keep you grounded what is it that you do any rituals whatever it is whether it's physical mental what what keeps you balanced two things i think one is conversations with people i love or people who shaped my life in different parts of the journey is something that keeps me very grounded so be it my best friend who i've grown together with or it could be my mentors in this company or in the last company i've been very very lucky to have people who truly invest in me and i think they've played such a strong in both in making me feel grounded and also in lifting me up when i'm down because you know because i'm a, i don't know if it's because i'm a woman and a i don't know what plays a bigger role but i think women tend to be more perfectionist or more critical in terms of mm. i think we're just so used to multitasking ever since we were born because like we are multitasking risks and 100 other things so i think it's so inherent to be able to constantly switch and to be able to constantly want to ace that mean more often than not like for example every dance performance i would be very actively preparing for the entire thing the moment it gets done on stage i will look at the video i, I will feel a lot of exhilaration on stage the moment it's done it, it's again ground zero for me like it's just again okay So, done. Uh, so so you know so i think many a time there is a a self radar of grounding me back second there are times when i need uplifting or like ungrounding <laughs> and those are the times when i seek uh, seek these people who shaped my life in different ways i think one big grounding factor is just when i speak to these people or when i hear about people's experiences it it just brings everything you feel into so much more perspective that the days i feel i am snarky or 
overly privileged or whatever right i think just reminding myself of those conversations really really helps so i think i actively try to ground myself with people mm-hmm. uh, and then the second part is uh, i think what balances and centers me is acts of physical fitness or or just doing the small small things right like for example when i wake up i always first make the bed i think it just like it just it just sets the tone for hey i woke, woke up even if i say laid around for a bit but when i woke up i woke up with intent i immediately did that one small thing and sort of did an activity so i think these there are these small small things of schedule and practice and habit that help bring the grounding back so so i think there are these you know big small things that are a mix and that helps all that and i've also like we've spoken about this before i've done vipassana which is a very intensely cell like inward looking exercise like for for 10 days straight you don't speak to anyone and there's a very specific type of meditation that you do so i think that once you've done it of course even if you don't i'm not going to be but the liberty to practice it very regularly but that has remained with me and being mindful in the little things eating i'm actually really chewing and eating and you know enjoying or experiencing each flavor i think just that living in the little little moments and relishing them brings a lot of centered centeredness as well yeah you're right i think in the courses i give for introduction to mindfulness one of the most spectacular results of any exercise i lead people to is mindful eating and i give them a raisin which is the least exciting fruit in the universe and it <laughs> looks like a mouse dropping <laughs> but when you eat it mindfully suddenly there's this explosion of flavor and it's really interesting how you can trigger yourself to reconsider the experiences that you can have by your senses when you pay attention yeah We've talked already quite a lot and I'm about to come to my closing questions but before I get there is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners? No, I'm very very good. <laughs> okay, cool. Covered everything. So, what is a favorite word of yours, one that you could tattoo on yourself? And I'm not saying you have to, <laughs> but a word that you can live with. I already have two different word tattoos on my body the first one is at the back of my neck it's a lotus and on the stem is written my mom's name in devnagiri which is the script of hindi mm-hmm. her name is rajeshri that is of course like the first word that i decided i could live with for the rest of my life which is her and she is the stem of the lotus so it means that you know a lotus always rises in damp and yeah. unruly uh, seemingly impure water so it was yes it, so that was a representation and she is sort of the stem that has enabled this lotus to blossom so that's that's one word the second Beautiful. word that's already tattooed is go live <laughs> it's is very simple but it's like it just life and living it is i think probably life and joy would be the other two words i could happily tattoo i also thought of a third tattoo <laughs> that is also it <laughs> i've decided with also a word but it it's in sanskrit it means 
Aham Brahmasmi. I know uh, Aham Brahmasmi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you may want like, to explain it for, for this. <laughs> yeah. So in a very simple word, it means I am the universe and the universe is me. So I think, yeah. So these like just mom, life and universe. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Which is integrated for me. All three connect. <laughs> of course. And I have to tell you, thank you for being the first guest I have in like 45 episodes that actually has a tattoo. Oh, wow. Nobody else. I'm very surprised. Yeah, I think that should be now a qualifier. Do you have a tattoo? Yes. (laughs) Now, what does connection mean to you? Very, very deep question. I have to really think about it. I'll probably describe what, what looks like a connection. I think eyes are the window to... Uh, people's souls and for me a connection is when two pairs of eyes or however many pairs of eyes spark like I think the visual description of a connection is this gazing into each other's windows and finding that spark in any small big conversation like Showing your soul, even for a second, to the other person, I think is is my basic definition of a connection. And, and sometimes it takes only a few minutes to build that. Sometimes it takes years to build that. But I think the moment it's built, it's very beautiful. And I think true connection happens when there's a certain part of your soul that you reveal through words or action or gestures to the other person. I am so glad I asked you that question. (laughs) So I must tell you, I'm in the middle of writing my first book and it came out of writing an article called Why Meditate? And after asking myself, why meditate, why meditate? And I asked, why, 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 why me, why now? Blah, 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 blah. I came to the conclusion that it was the path to connection. And I have to tell you that after months and years of practicing metta, loving kindness meditation, the first thing that happened to me is that my eyes was seeking other people's eyes. <laughs> and it's very hard to explain to people because it, it sounds weird. Because when you start noticing that you want to make contact with absolute strangers down the street. But I'm so glad I asked you that. That makes so much sense to me. That's amazing. Completely different question. What song best represents you? <laughs> my knowledge of English songs is very less. It does not need uh, to be English. It needs to be about a... your song. <laughs> <laughs> trying to remember a lot of Bollywood songs are very unidimensional when it comes to like the very romance or heartbreak led. But I think one song that I that could possibly describe me. That we would be Starboy. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I just recently put together my first playlist with everyone's answers from the podcast. So I'll add that to you and I'll Amazing. send it. Yeah. And it's very eclectic. So I have to say. Like, if you look at the song, and then if you've seen the full video, it's, he has two different identities 
in that song and like while he is reflecting on one identity taking over the other identity i personally feel that i have a lot of facets that different people take different conclusions from and maybe i am also exploring them but but yes i'm a motherfucking star boy <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, the, that's the bottom line whatever else it is but yeah oh that's lovely we shall always be the star and protagonist of our story is primarily why i think uh-huh. i chose this song what is a secret superpower that you have i think listening i think people confide in me very very naturally so i think the ability to make people either feel heard or feel comfortable about even very deep things is something i've realized very recently is probably my biggest superpower thank you for sharing what is a favorite book that you could share with us there are so many to choose from i love a man called ove it's based it's a swedish like it's an english novel but it's written by frederick backman and it's set in sweden it does a very good job of uh, exploring very complicated relationship between people and then it goes very deep into the layers beyond the first impressions etc the reason i mentioned this book there are so many like lovely books it this could also be recently but i think this book is so simple yet so beautiful in its exploration of people first impressions and how they could unlayer and completely change your lives so it's about a man who's lost his wife and he feels he's lost all purpose in life and then when he didn't expect he finds purpose in in his neighbor like in very new thing that in basically he finds purpose through other people showing kindness and love when probably he thought he didn't deserve it so i think that's a very fundamental behavior and character trait all of us in the end just seek love so and i and i think the way it describes you as being able to get closer to that feeling of love is what makes it beautiful you've convinced me i'm going to buy it <laughs> it's a lovely it sounds really really gorgeous where is somewhere that you've visited that has really had a strong impact on who you are today i would have to say kenya i went there for a project it been i spent 3 months there and i think it has impacted me in three ways one is before kenya i had actually not been to another developing country apart from india i had been on exchange term to europe and the developing countries of europe are also far ahead so 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 it's a diff- different kind of experience right so so in kenya i think that was like probably a slightly lesser developing country compared to india and and i had a notion of because i knew the indian context i had a notion of no this is how certain systems and expectation out of the place would be of course when we went we were told not to go in these areas this might happen this might happen 
there is a lot of of course crime etc news around around the country i was in nairobi but what really was impeccable is what a it was a the country of extremely joyful people I, it it made me realize how language or music can play an inherent role in making you feel happy i think certain languages are inherently sweeter happier and kinder so i i could sense it in their tone they would speak in a very sing song they would always have a lovely smile they would always every cab driver everyone would like have a very specific playlist would dress brightly and happily and i realized that you know no matter the resources or the means you can still make your life colorful and amazing so that is one i absolutely love that about the country second is actually i had a very deep realization about india and what india lacks in you know developing faster was that in kenya i would be stuck in 3 3 hour traffic jams but even then no one would break a rule no one would honk a horn oh, no wow. one would break the queue no yeah. one would get agitated mm-hmm. and in india if you're stuck in like even if the signal is green and the person in front of you you know the person is about to move yeah. but you still keep honking like blasting out of your Girl, mind and it's so irritating it's the same thing here <laughs> It is Geneva, Switzerland. Let me tell you, it is not Bombay. <laughs> and I've been there, and I've been in the three or four hour car journey. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that. So it's a lot about human spirit, isn't it? Yeah, and I also realize that. And whenever I have these trips outside, when I come back to India, I have like these deep philosophical discussions with myself. Like there will be seven, eight days where I'd be like, "Oh my god." why can't we do it why can't we not honk and then when i contemplate very deeply i do like a full analysis and then i realize it all comes down to the population the supply demand in india ever since we've grown up there's been a lot of supply very little demand so everyone thinks that if they are not going ahead then they are falling behind and that is has become such an such a inherent trait of everything that you want to be the first in the queue you want to be the first one to get out of traffic you want to be the first one to like get somewhere i mean everyone's going there you know tell them that i am going <laughs> like that's not what a horn is for but but I, like i got a very deep understanding of the psyche of why at a country level people could behave in this manner it's because for years and years there's been a scarcity of be it job be it demand and there's just been so many people like for everything if like if 1000 jobs wipe out 1000 new like 10000 people who can apply for the job will come about right i think that was the second realization is that these fundamental structures of countries get impacted by by things of this nature like individual choices together accumulate into like this whole thing which it takes decades and millennia to solve but that was the second and the third is funny but that was the first time i i realized that there was a dry hair industry i might seem very unaware because in india there aren't many african individuals so i did not know the hair condition and the and the, the company that i was servicing at the time was a dry hair company which would do weaves and braids etc so that was the first realization that oh people have to go to that great and yeah. extent to conform to their definition of beauty and i realized that there was there was a time when in 
I was actually offered to like chop off my hair for like a couple thousand dollars, and I was like, "Oh my god, I, my hair, dear hair, I've taken you for granted. Never again." Mm. <laughs> there are people, and there's full continents where it's so sort of it's it's like how fairness is in India. Like for the longest time, everyone, even now, have a natural inclination towards fairer skin means more beautiful, etc. It's the same thing, but it's for hair, and I was, I was amazed at. And also grateful for the simpler things like hair, yeah. which I used to take for granted. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I love your philosophical analysis; very eye-opening. <laughs> <laughs> and so, lastly, my favorite final question: What brings you happiness? Such a deep question. This conversation has made me so deeply contemplative, and I am so thankful to you for that. I thought about this question very recently. I, I think for me, happiness is being able to bring joy to people around me. It's very external, but I realize that that a big part of me feels happy when I'm able to play a small part in probably not the happiness, but in the day-to-day joy of other people's lives. So yeah, so I think that is what brings me happiness thank you so much for sharing see that it was such a pleasure to talk to you i'm thrilled that we were introduced it was a really wonderful interview so if people want to interact with you or get in touch where can they find you i think easiest would be email i'm on linkedin as well Mm -hmm. so that yeah that's probably not very active but i've like typed out my email but yeah LinkedIn is also good (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome well thank you so much well thank you Anne I think very rarely our conversations so deeply reflective and so cathartic in their own beautiful way that it's lovely to step back and reflect on who you are as a person along with the business side of things so thank you for for such a great conversation and for such uh, for for making me think about things that I probably wouldn't have very actively thought about lately. So that's it's been lovely and pleasure. I'm so thrilled as well. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited for everyone to find out more about you and to listen to this. I think that they'll be really inspired by your path. And I'm so excited about all of the other things you're going to be doing in the future. <laughs> we are going to have to keep in touch. That's a absolutely, must. Absolutely, absolutely. And hopefully we'll meet one day in person. That would be such a pleasure. Yes, please. Yes, amazing. Thanks again to Sida for being my guest on the show today. As always, you can find all of the relevant links of what was mentioned in this episode in the show notes. You can head over to the website anvimulitala.com or you can also just check the Simplecast website, which hosts the podcast. So friends and listeners, thank you again for joining me. And if you'd like to hear more, you can subscribe to the podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so at Anvi on Twitter or Anne Mulitala on LinkedIn or even at underscore out of the clouds on Instagram where I also share daily musings about mindfulness. You can find all of the episodes of the podcast and much more on the website 
anvimilitella.com if you don't know how to spell it. That's also in the show notes. If you would like to get some regular news, you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Clouds. I hope that you'll join me again next time. Until then, be well, be safe, and take care.